0: As I was trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about today, I was reading my very favorite Calvinist, a guy named Doug Wilson up in Idaho. I'm not a Calvinist, he is. And I discovered that he's also a preterist. Now, for those of you who are not up on your jargon, a preterist is someone who believes that the book of Revelation has nothing to say about the future. The book of Revelation was all completed in 70 A.D. with the destruction of Jerusalem. Fairly popular, fairly mainstream Christian belief. I don't happen to agree with that either. So we got two things we disagree with, which is fine. I still like his writing. I think he's a very bright guy. But the thing about these beliefs is the church has got, I have no idea how many sects of Christianity, and they all center on some belief. So Calvinists and Preterists and people like us, Messianics, everybody has got sort of a different thing that they have latched onto in Scripture and said, this is really true, therefore I can't be in fellowship with you, because you don't believe that. I can remember Decades ago now, when I was first starting in this stuff, I was on a prophecy bulletin board. (laughs) This is way old. And most of the people on the bulletin board were Sunday Christians, which is fine. And most of them were pre-trib rapture folks, which is to say they're expecting to be sucked into the overhead. I don't happen to be either one of those. And I finally got thrown off the list. Which, again, is fine. I'm not grumpy with anybody. But the point is, all these beliefs have consequences. Now, I'm going to talk about this in the context of the feasts. Because we're coming up on Shavuot, which is one of God's feasts. And if you're a preterist, the feasts mean something very different to you than what they mean to us. And I'm going to paint with great, big, broad strokes here. Everybody understands there's all sorts of nuances here. And since I'm not a preterist, I don't really understand it. But basically, if all of the future stuff is done, then really the only purpose of this life is to get people to heaven. Very broad strokes. Please, if you're a preterist and I have slightly mischaracterized what you believe, don't yell at me. Or at least not right now. You can yell at me and Midrash. That'd be fine. And if that's your focus, what it does is it changes how you're supposed to live on the earth. So if your focus is, I'm going to heaven and I'm taking as many people with me as I can, which I think is a good way to say it, then you sort of tend to neglect governance on earth. And so what the church has wound up doing, especially here in the United States, is they've taken themselves out of the governing business. The church no longer seriously influences government. I mean, you have people that get elected, like our dear president, who every time they need your vote, they go to mass and they say, I'm a good Catholic. But not much more. And that all has to do with the idea of what the purpose of all this is. Why are we here? What's the purpose? What's the plan? Is there a plan? Or are we just sort of down here, scrolling around until such time as we die and then we go to heaven? And I'm going to suggest that that particular view is not correct. And I'm going to suggest to you that the view of what everything is about is embodied in the feasts. Because what God has done in his scripture is he has given us enough information to figure out what our purpose is and to figure out what we're supposed to be doing. That's the whole purpose of scripture is to tell us those things. Sidestep for a second. God is fighting a two front war we got a war in heaven, and we got a war down here. This is one of the battlefields of the war in heaven. And the primary weapons in that war are misinformation. So if you can corrupt what people believe, what they wind up doing is doing stuff that is not, in fact, productive for what God wants to have done. So if you believe that stuff that happens on the world isn't really terribly important, what's really important is getting to the next step, which is heaven, then what you've done is you've seeded part of the battlefield because a belief that you have. There's two major religions that are spinoffs of Judaism, Christianity and Islam. They're both spinoffs of Judaism. And, of course, the Jews would say that the Christians are misinformed and we have bought bad information and we don't have it right. And, of course, Christians would say the Muslims have got bad information and they aren't doing it right and the Jews have got bad information and they aren't doing it right either. So what you have is scattered effectiveness because of the things we believe. Years ago, somebody was talking about, in fact, it was a Jew who was talking about the muslims that flew the planes into the trade center and so forth and what he was talking about was the prayers that these guys said before they got onto the airplane and his comment was these people are extremely spiritual they love their god god is their sole focus but they've been shifted to the wrong god These are people who would make, in his case, wonderful Jews because they are on fire for God. Yet, because their information is wrong, they're on fire for the wrong God. And, of course, the Jew would say the same thing about us Christians. so understand that that works both ways. So, the question is, what's the plan? What's the goal of all this? And Moses tells us what the goal of all this is. In Deuteronomy 30, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give them. So the goal of all of this is life our life. And there are going to be people who are going to miss that goal and that's very tragic and very sad. In one sense the idea of people whose goal is to get them to heaven are partially right. But the other part here is so you and your offspring may live here in the land. That's not a heaven thing. That's a this earth thing so both heaven and earth are extremely important and they're both part of God's plan so let's look at the feasts there's seven Moedim appointed times of God and by the way they form a menorah so you have three branches, three branches and one in the middle what's the one in the middle? Shavuot, the one we're coming up on tomorrow the center branch of the menorah is tomorrow and as you all were praying, that's when the fire fell. That's when God came down. That's when God gave us directions. He gave us directions in the written form, in the form of the Torah. He gave us directions in the form of a person, a companion, a helper, in the form of the Spirit. That's the middle branch of the menorah, right there. So on either side now, you have Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. And on the other side, you have Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. And what I'm suggesting to you is that sequence of feasts encapsulate God's entire plan for us. Several weeks ago, I was listening to Ron Dart, who I love, and he was saying that all of these feasts are really Christian holidays. And he's right. But again, one of the tragedies of this fractured belief that the body of Christ has is much of the body of Christ doesn't see these feasts for the importance that they are. They see Passover and they see Shavuot, but the rest of it they just sort of ignore. And again, one of the beliefs of an extreme preterist is God is done with Israel everything now goes to the church and I'm painting with broad strokes here just like there are all sorts of everybody there there's all sorts of predators. and so one of the extreme beliefs of the preterists is the return of Christ was a spiritual thing and it's already been fulfilled now I will suggest to you that the sequence of feasts indicates that that's completely incorrect So the first thing that we have is Passover, and that marks the deliverance of Israel from Egypt, taking us out of slavery and into the presence of God. That also marks the point where Yeshua, the Lamb of God, was sacrificed at his behest for the purpose of shedding his blood and freeing us from the slavery of sin. Step one. Unleavened bread is when we get the sin out. That's what leaven is. And then you have first fruits, which is the presentation of the first of the new crop before God. And, of course, if the first fruits are holy, the rest is holy. And Paul describes us as the first fruits of the resurrection. Perfectly Christian. We'll step over Shavuot because that's what we're going to talk about today. And then we go to Yom Teruah, or Rosh Hashanah as it's commonly known. And what that is, is the seventh trumpet, which is to say, that's when the king is going to return. And as I've said many times, there's two sequences of seven trumpets in Scripture. There's the one in Revelation and there's the one in Joshua. So in Joshua what you have is a sequence of seven trumpets where the Israelites march around Jericho and on the seventh trumpet the walls of Jericho fall down and Joshua, Yeshua, leads the people in to retake the land. What Revelation says is Yeshua touches down at the seventh trumpet And he's got an army of angels with him, and he is going to retake the land. This is the land. The next thing that happens is Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. That's when we have a come-to-Jesus meeting. And the whole world at Yom Kippur will see the one who they pierced, and they will have a choice as to whether or not they acknowledge the king and bend the knee but the point here is that's when Yeshua is going to assume the role as king and then you have Sukkot now I think most of you are on this page Sukkot I believe is when Yeshua was born as a baby and then 8 days later the end of Sukkot is when he was circumcised so what's going to happen when he comes back is that is when the king is going to dwell among us so if you look at the scriptures that way being a preterist at least in my humble estimation doesn't make any sense because all of the feasts past and present and future point to the fulfillment of the plan of God and the point is he has a plan. This is not just stumble around here on the earth and hope you get to heaven. That's not the deal. The deal is there's a plan. It's a plan for you. There's a plan for the world. There's a plan for this war that God is fighting, of which, as I say, this is a battlefield. So the fact that you are in a battle here should come as no surprise but it should be important to you that you understand that there's a plan here there's a commander he has told you what to do and the problem of course is disinformation because you have heavenly beings and earthly beings who are spreading disinformation to corrupt the plan and to corrupt your understanding and what happens when your understanding gets corrupted is what we have today. People look around and they see thousands of different sects of Christianity and they're all squabbling we're all squabbling and many people have grown up in the church and say I don't want any part of that it doesn't make any sense to me and I will suggest that one of the reasons it doesn't make any sense is because of all of these roll your own theologies that have crept up over the centuries as I am fond of saying no bad idea ever goes away they just keep getting recycled for example the idea that the Old Testament is done away with and gentle loving Jesus is somebody different than the wrathful God of the Old Testament anybody ever heard that that actually goes back to the first century Like I say, no bad idea ever goes away. There will be somebody who will take that on because I don't want that old law stuff. What I want is nothing but grace, which means that I can do whatever the heck I want to do and I'll be forgiven. Now, again, I have to tell you, I am painting with a very broad brush there. There are lots of people who are of that opinion that don't believe they can do everything they want to do, but the logical conclusion is that's where you wind up and we have a lot of people that are there so the fact that there are people who believe the law is done away with and it's all grace but are also well behaved according to the law even though they don't follow it you understand what I'm saying there's a spectrum there but the logical end to that argument is I get to do whatever I want because there is no more law Everybody understand, I am painting with a very broad brush. And there are all sorts of people on the spectrum. And what our job is, to preach the feasts, to preach the freedom that Torah brings you. What we're finding right now is as we are abandoning Torah and we are abandoning our system of laws which are based on Torah, because the guys that put them together understood Torah even though they weren't all Jews, there were many but as we abandon that what we're discovering is anything goes now and there are no more constraints on people's behavior or on government behavior So when people say they don't want to be under the law because it's too restrictive, absolutely you want to be with the law because that's where your freedom lies. That's where the structure is of a society that is A, well-ordered, but B, has the maximum amount of freedom that is possible for a human being to have. And what we see now is people who are unmoored, they don't have any anchor and so they're thrashing around. In fact, I'm reading a book right now that promises to be excellent. I'm only about a chapter into it. But what he describes is what he calls a therapeutic society, which is us. Everybody is looking for therapy. And so if I, for example, think I'm a Wisconsin cheese and you don't agree with me you have damaged my psyche and what's happening is courts are starting to pick that up which means that the law is becoming unmoored that's what we're seeing right now you're seeing people who are unmoored and there are enough of them that they become a political force and what then happens is politics follows somebody said I don't remember who that politics is downstream from culture and as the culture starts off going away from Torah goes to grace which is a good deal there's more grace in the Torah by the way than there is in the New Testament if you know what you're looking for but when you unmoor from the Torah and go to pure grace then the progression is perfectly logical it's entirely logical what's happening to us so what I will suggest to you is among your Christian friends talk up the feasts talk them up in terms of this is where our freedom is talk them up in terms of this is what embodies God's plan for us talk them up in terms of this is how we fight back against an unmoored culture I say this as gently as possible most people are simply deceived and confused they aren't choosing to be evil they're simply deceived and confused when you're then able to do whatever you want then what happens is the normal human flesh takes over and it does wind up tending to evil that's where it winds up they don't start off that way it's sort of like nobody ever starts off to be a drug addict well I'll just try once but that's where we are so as you get ready to celebrate tomorrow the feast the feast of the giving of the Torah the feast of the giving of the Holy Spirit And in both cases, what God did is God came down and spoke to us. There's a point of possible confusion. God has a purpose for Israel that is not complete. In fact, the reading about the two sticks here today is all you really need for that one. Because Ephraim is still missing. And God says, I will get Ephraim back you can think that God set up his purpose for Israel because he loves them that's not correct God always had a purpose for somebody to be a nation of priests he chose Israel because he loves them for that role in other words he didn't make the role for Israel the role was always there Israel was chosen because Israel he loves that hasn't gone away They're still supposed to be a nation of priests. They're supposed to be a nation of teachers. They're supposed to be the ones who draw people to God. And by the way, they've kind of lost their way also, just like everybody else. They're just as human as we are. There's a lot of people that have lost their way. And by the way, I am not standing up here telling you that I'm sure I've found it. (laughs) I am sure that when Yeshua comes back, he is going to correct me as well. I, I just, I'm just i planning on it, and my response is going to be, as, as Brian used to say, you're God, I'm not, I'm claiming the blood of Yeshua and <laughs> asking for forgiveness. You might practice that speech, by the way. You, you may get a chance to use it. So, talk up the feasts.